Hey folks, welcome to the eighth episode of the Cassandra Properties Podcast. Uh, I am joined today by Sandy Kruger, the CEO of Cyborg. Uh, for those of you who don't know Sandy, he's been an absolute icon, a steady hand uh, for years and years, as long as I can remember in Cyborg. Uh, we're going to jump right into that in a moment. Just wanted to say thank you to the audience. Um, this is only now, we're heading into our, our second month. Um, we have now an audience in 41 countries. Uh, we have over 7,200 subscribers on YouTube. Uh, this is growing very quickly, and, and we're, we're super proud of it, and we're super appreciative of the audience, the suggestions, the comments. Please keep them coming. Uh, and with that, we will jump in. Sandy, how are we doing today? Hi. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for coming. It's, uh, it's an honor and a treat to be able to sit down with you for uh, an extended period of time. We're going to talk today, folks. As we always do, we're going to try and deliver some value. So Sandy is going to get into some of the indicators in the market and talk through where we are and, and what he sees uh, on the horizon. And of course, we're going to touch on COVID and how that's impacted the industry. Uh, but let's start in the beginning. So, Sandy, uh, if you can, just walk the audience through a quick roll-up of uh, where did you go to school, what did you study, mm, and, and how yeah. did we end up here at Cyborg? Okay, well, the audience can tell, but I'm a, kind of an old guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, spent, a, spent a year in, in Vietnam, a very strange time in the world. Uh, but I came back, uh, went to school, uh, graduated from Fairleigh Dickinson University here uh, across the, the river in New Jersey, um, and uh, then went to work. Um, so I got into this industry back in 1990, uh, did, did not have any real estate experience. I had spent uh, a number of years, about 10 or 15 years in the computer industry, um, and did some work that got me involved in, 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 in on a volunteer basis, uh, with a national computer users group called okay. DECUS, which was, in, which was, uh, involved with a company called Digital Equipment Corporation, DEC which was the second largest computer company back then in those days. And because of what I was doing on deck equipment versus what normally got done on IBM equipment, uh, I got involved in this, this association. Spent a lot of time with it over the next, like I say, 10 or 15 years. And at some point in my life, I decided that I was having a lot more fun doing my volunteer work than I was doing my real work. Sure. So I decided to go look for, for the same kind of work where they would be willing to pay me for it, uh, which is basically running an association. And as it turns out, there's a, there's a there's an association of associations, okay, called ASAE. Um, put my name in there and did some did some research and got a call from uh, from somebody called the Board of Realtors. And it wasn't Cyborg at the time; it was it was New Jersey. It was something called the Somerset County Board of Realtors. Uh, I had no idea what that meant, um, but obviously it was it was a job. So I went looking for it. Uh, spoke with the with the state association to find out more, and, and found out it was a you know it was an association in the middle of New Jersey, uh, covering a good part of New Jersey, um, but it had been run for a long time by uh, a husband and wife uh, who had spent 30 years there. He had already passed away some years ago, and 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 it was very behind the times. Uh, even back then, uh, you know, people were using computers. Yep. <laughs> And there was a or something called the uh, the MLS book. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, back in that in that association, neither of those existed. Really? <laughs> okay. Uh, I, we could we could waste a lot of time, and I can tell you how they got all their information. Uh, I'll try to do it real quick. They had they had six women uh, who typed on a regular typewriter all day long, uh, making eight eight and a half by eleven listings. 
we had a lot of information on each listing. And we had a print shop, and we printed 2,400 copies of each of those listings every day. You're kidding me. Oh, and we had a big collator, about 12 feet long, and we collated all that stuff. And uh, we created 2,400 packages that went out, I think, three times a week. Uh, we had some, uh, some retired gentlemen that would come in at 6 o'clock in the morning. We'd load up their cars, and they'd travel all over central New Jersey delivering those things. And then uh, the people who got them then had to collate those things into their uh, loose-leaf binders that they had on their desk. So, so, you know, take out the old listing, put in the new listing, or, you know, figure, figure out where the new listing belonged. And this was in 1990? 1990. So when did the books, because when I, when I started, I started back in, oh gosh, 90, late 90s, I got into the business, and we had books at yep, that point. Yep, yep. Yeah, we had books well, here until, well, I, I got here in 99, so we, okay. we had them till about 2000. But in New Jersey, my job was to, number one, get a book. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, so go find somebody who could help us, you know, computerize the thing a little bit. So we get a book, and which we did. It took us, it took us a year. Um, and we had books, uh, which I thought was going to be a problem because, as I mentioned, we had eight and a half by 11 listing. And yep. now it was going to be six on a page. Right. So you were losing a lot of information. Sure. But, you know, it was better than having to collate all these things every day. So people took to that pretty well. And then I, then I spent another year and a half or so. Uh, bringing in a computer, a, a computer system for for the agents because again they didn't have that either, um, and uh, maybe I got a little too aggressive there and I went for the you know the top of the line state of the art kind of thing which mm -hmm. uh, which was hard for people to, to swallow because it, it didn't work on anybody's computer, right? Everybody had to buy a new Windows based computer because Windows was coming in and wow. nobody at that point had Windows. Uh, and then at the same time, I uh, coming in from the outside and having a, a systems and anal analysis kind of background, I, I looked at the at the marketplace in New Jersey and, and, and I said and I said you know, uh, computers have come along far enough now that you know we've got all of these independent MLSs all over New Jersey. They were pretty small, and they were all overlapping with each other. It seemed to me we ought to uh, at least share data not combine the MLSs, but at least share data so, you know, that people didn't have to you know, join a million different MLSs, which they did. Um, and I had the state association moving in that direction uh, when uh, a very famous speech was made by a president of the National Association of Realtors called Billy, whose name was Billy Chi, and he, his speech was about the lions coming over the hill. Mm -hmm. and that was the, you know, that was the internet that was going to change the whole world. And when was this? This was, this was 94, 95. Really? Yeah, 96 maybe. Um, and so the state association was, you know, was planning to do something until the speech was made. And, and, and what resulted from the speech was that uh, the National Association started doing the same thing that I was trying to do in New Jersey. And we eventually ended up with what is now Realtor.com. Um, and so that happened. Uh, but at the same time, I had been talking to these boards and, and MLSs and trying to bring them together, and we couldn't get it done. So uh, a couple of big brokers, five big brokers in New Jersey said, you know what, this is the right thing to do. These associations can't do it. Maybe we should do it for them. And so Weikert and Caldwell Banker and, and three other brokers uh, walked in one day and said, oh, by the way, we just, uh, we just bought your neighbor's MLS. <laughs> and we changed the name on the door, and now it's now our MLS. It's called the Garden State MLS. 
And uh, we've decided we're going to put all our listings in there. We're not putting them in your MLS anymore. And, you know, one thing led to another. And, wow. You know, so uh, that eventually, over time, uh, uh, precipitated the, the need for me to go find another position. <laughs> um, and so here I am in Staten Island. So I come in 99. And now it's, I guess, what, 20, 21 years later. Mm-hmm. Um, you get, uh, Staten Island was a lot further along. They had computers. They had, they had a had a decent computer system. That was going to be my question. How did we stack up to where New Jersey was at that point? We we were fine. We we were in good shape, but it was but we were running a, a fairly you know outdated not an outdated system, but a system that had run its course, and it, and it was time to make a change. And and so in, in a year or two, uh, we negotiated our our change into what you probably remember was uh, no, I don't remember what it was called. I actually went out of my head. I'm sorry, but we we changed to a system. Uh, that was really, really hot at the time. Um, it got bought out by bigger systems later, and, and it's still around in some in some ways. But we've changed twice since then. So is that like the point two system or one of those uh, iterations? No, I don't remember it either, I, but I know what you're you're yeah, referencing too. Yeah. So we've been through three systems since I've been here. Yep. Um, and we're now, of course, on Flex. And uh, in each case, they've been you know really fine systems. They've done a really good job. And uh, you know, when it came time, we we made our move. In all cases, we worked with relatively small companies. We were early in the game on that first one that I can't remember. Uh, we were like their third customer. Uh, in the next one, we were, you know, probably 15 or 20. Uh, and then this last one has been around for a long time, so we were, we were not early in the game, but they're still a relatively small company, Flex. Um, and, and I've always enjoyed working with smaller companies. Yep. You know, it, it's easier to work. Uh, you can get things done, and, and, uh, and they're good people. Um, so that's, uh, that's how I got to where we are. And as you said, it's somewhere along the line. I'm guessing 2006 or so, we, we got rid of the book. Yep. So for those newbies that <laughs> complain about having to, you know, get their email and sort through the, the, the changes on the hot sheets, what we call the hot sheets. Yep. Back in the day uh, when I was in, in the business, we touched on this a couple episodes ago, it was, it was a book and it was called The Book and it was like the Bible, right? right you know, right. mom taught me like lesson one, don't give anyone your book because that had all the, the intel, all the inside information, right? That was the scoop. That was what we used um, and, and that's how we did it. We, we had a book, we flipped through things manually, right? We had notes and postcards and lead cards everywhere with a little MLS numbers. And then along came the, the modem, right? And we put the phone in and we strapped it over and the beeps and the boops. And here we are now in, in a world in such a short period of time where to, first of all, it's great to hear that you were, always at the forefront of trying to affect change and move things forward from a digital perspective, because we have found that our agents included, they're resistant to change. They're resistant to uh, the digital age. They're resistant to embrace these tools. And, and I understand it's difficult. Um, it is hard to constant. It seems like it's a constant uh, evolution. When you get used to one system or one product, there's something new and neat, but to go from literally lugging the books around in the early 2000s to now, uh, you know, we send goggles out to clients and they put the goggles on and they're in the home. Like, you know, these Matterport tours are unbelievably accurate. Mm-hmm. 
and realistic. Um, it's been quite uh, a revolution, and it's been interesting. It's been fun to be at the forefront of it, but it's been really challenging. Sure it is. Yeah. And, and, you know, and that's why I thought when, when COVID came and we got shut down and we had to go to virtual showings and, and instead of real showings, I thought, I thought because of the Matterports and whatever that we had had some experience with that already, that people would, you know, adjust to that. Right. Didn't happen. Did not happen. <laughs> no. Did not happen. Uh, we basically shut down when we didn't have to. Yeah. Quite frankly. Um, I'm so glad you said that. Um, and, you know, and I thought, you know, I thought people would, you know, over time and we had, we were there for four months, right? Uh, three months anyway. Uh, I thought, you know, all right. So they couldn't, didn't get it up, up front, but maybe, you know, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, you know, and as you know, we've been, uh, Cyborg has been having a weekly, weekly, uh, calls with, yep. with our members and our brokers. So we thought, you know, if we talked about it enough and showed it enough that people would get the idea, uh, because my feeling was that coming out of COVID, you know, where we are now, I, th I was under the impression that, that sellers were not going to let people in their houses for a while. Yeah. And that buyers wouldn't want to go in houses for a while. So I, I thought we were going to have to continue on, on a, on a virtual structure. Again, I was been proven wrong and it hasn't happened that way. Uh, at least as far as I know. Um, but I think going forward, uh, you know, some of the stuff is going to hang around. I mean, this, this, Without is, a doubt. We're, 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 we were forced to look at things you know, probably three to five years sooner than we might otherwise have done. Yeah. So um, some interesting takeaways there. Um, Sandy couldn't be more spot on that uh, the agents in the industry uh, have been resistant to the change. We didn't have to shut down. Some of the markets did not shut down. Some of the other markets continue to hum along because they have embraced what we talk about all the time, these Matterport tours and the virtual tours and getting in the digital space um, in a more meaningful way. And interestingly enough, 89% of sellers, um, Sandy, want agents to use video in their marketing, but less than 10% of agents do. Mm -hmm. So it, it has been a difficult process. In Staten Island, um, where I have gone and, and visited different properties just to kind of get an idea and looked around in different states to see how things are being done, there is a bit more resistance in the other states. They don't want you to come in. When you do come in, booties, masks, yeah. you know, gloves. And uh, it, 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 here it has been um, a different experience. Folks were pretty quick to get back in the game and, and move forward, which in, in one sense is good, in another sense it's not. But people have pretty quickly reverted back to the old way of doing things. But as you said, I think that these things are here to stay. I think that there's going to be a, a continued uh, evolving of how we market and how we, uh, we get properties out in front of our clients. And quite honestly, our, our time management, like it's today, if, if you've gone through one of our Matterport tours and you call, as far as I'm concerned, it's a reshow. Mm. Like, you know, you've seen the property in great detail You've spent the time, you've gone through, we have the narrated tours, but then we also have the immersive ones where if you want to spend four minutes in the kitchen, it's not flipping back to find pictures or pausing a video and go back. You can zoom in and mm -hmm. look at the design on the tile. I mean, we even tell our clients when we go in to do these tours, like turn your papers over because they're so sharp. They pick up, you know, names and numbers on envelopes. I mean, it, 
it is that dynamic of sure. technology and it's it's not that hard to deploy uh so it has been interesting how agents have been resistant to it the way they have and again our shop included uh it's been a bit of a fight to to keep that moving but i think as time continues to wear on and agents start to get a grasp on how much time they can save uh, their clients and themselves and and it's going to really lead to i think some serious efficiencies um i was talking to jayman uh, who we got through you guys mm -hmm. and amazing thank you wonderful guy he came in during covid for us and we did the um pd what was the name of the course the epro course so we had every agent take the EPRO Good. certification when uh, things were down because we wanted people to stay connected. Like you're saying, technology, you know, some of us had seen it and were ahead of it, but we wanted everyone to get involved, understand the hub and spoke approach, understand all the benefits that would come along with it. Uh, so J-Man came in and was super helpful in energizing and getting people to get on board with it. And what he was saying is they're almost making it like a, requirement like along with your prequal you have to have watched and of course through tech it's easy send an email if they open the link and they watch it you know if they don't they didn't you mm -hmm. can't get in the house right. unless you've gone through the virtual experience and it's a sales technique when you're going on a listing like hey we're not going to allow people through here until they've taken the time to go through and really see the house through the lens of the Matterport tour because during that experience the kind of trickery with the wide lens you know for the bedroom and people walk mm. in and they they bump it <laughs> they bump into the wall and they're right. expecting you know this massive 25 by 30 master bedroom uh, a lot of that does get pulled out of that through the Matterport tour you're you're you get to really get a true sense for it so uh, we were talking about perhaps being able to put in our listings in the future you know all listings submitted with prequal subject e and o can we do that can we require buyers to to watch a virtual tour before they come in is that is that i guess you can you can require them to at least open it right right I, I, you're not going to know whether they succeed or not um but i think i think you're right on i think we need to do that because i mean let's look at the the competition out there right think about iBuyer. oh yeah right iBuyer says you know you don't have to be worried about all this stuff right? that's you right nobody's coming through your house all right we're just going to get this thing done so how do you get it done um, and still get the right price, um, um, but 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 compete on, on on a on a service level, I guess. Yeah, and and again, the tools are here, folks. So uh, and remember this, Sandy. When I start putting in my listings, that you have to see, and you start getting <laughs> the said, calls. That Cassandra on. James, he's doing what is he doing this time? He's not letting us in until well. It's a, it's, a, it's a good tool, folks, so we're going to start embracing it. We think everyone should start embracing it. Uh, take the time to take a look at the tours if you're an agent and have your clients take a look at the tours. It's going to save you time, us time, the seller's time, and it's going to help drive, drive prices. So you're the CEO of Cyborg. What, what, what is your day like? What, what, are your, uh, what do you do throughout the course of a day, week, month? What are your main responsibilities there? Yeah. Well, we, we, have, a, we have a staff of 10 our board um, some of that is for the, the MLS of course and some of it is for the school right because we run a real estate school yep cyborg um, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know but I think uh, we were the first uh, licensed uh, real estate school in an, in an association association related real estate school in New York 
Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, back about, you know, 35 years ago. Um, but anyway, um, so we have a school um, that does licensing classes for people getting their original license uh, and for, you know, increasing up to the broker's license. And, of course, we do continuing ed. Uh, we've been shut down like everything else uh, right. for a while. We, we, just, we just completed our first uh, virtual uh, licensing class uh, last week. Get ready to start the new one. Uh, we've been doing some virtual CE classes. So is that here to stay now? Do you think the virtual stuff, or is that going to be temporary? Again, I, I, it's hard to tell. Okay, certainly, and we were having this discussion before uh, during during the COVID time, right? We're we're still in COVID time, um, where you can open the office and open the school, but everybody has to wear a mask. Right pretty hard to talk to another person and, and get a, get, you know, be able to communicate when, when it you're is. wearing masks. So in that sense, I think the, the, the Zoom, the virtual, is actually a better experience, yeah. right? I can see you, I can talk to you. Um, and of course, it's, it's convenient. Uh, what we did find when we started doing those, uh, those broker meetings and agent meetings that we've been doing is that we have you know, incredibly more people attending those meetings than we ever do when we you know, have a meeting at a, at a catering hall and serve, serve coffee and donuts, right? I, if I get 40 people at a meeting in that environment, and now I get, you know, up to 300 people. Wow. Okay. Um, so it's a lot easier, obviously. No, yeah. Granted, some of the time was while we were down and people had nothing else to do and they were weren't trying to figure out what they were doing. But even now, we're getting, you know, we're getting 150 people uh, come to a session. So, um, so I think it's, 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 it's a useful way of, of operating and, and, and the tools are getting better. You know, Zoom is getting better. Yeah. I was on a, we were on a conference uh, a couple of weeks ago with, with the MLS vendor using, uh, using a product called Remo, R-E-M-O. Um, and it's a Zoom-like thing, but it looks like you're walking into a meeting room. Yes, heard about this. All right, you know, there are tables, you get assigned to a table, and you can change tables because you can see who's at your table. You can see who's at the other tables, but you can only talk to your table. All right. But you, so if that's not where you want to be, you can get up and click yourself onto a new table. Um, and then of course, when it's time for everybody to be, be attentive to, to one speaker, they, they can turn that all off as well. And then, it, and besides having tables on, on one level, it's got multiple levels. So I can be running private meetings on the yep. second level. I can doing. I, I suppose I can be doing an exhibit hall on the third level. Yep. All right. So I think these tools are getting really, really good. And they are. And and you know, companies are also going to say, you know what? Do I have to send everybody all over the country on a, on a plane ride at a hotel? Without and a doubt. Pay, paying big meals. Hey, listen, I spent a lot of time on the road. Okay, for for cyber, uh, you know, I'd be the first one to say it. Um, and there's probably better ways to do it. Well, without a doubt, I think that this is now sweeping um, the office culture in the country, and it's going to have a profound impact on real estate values as companies return. Um, they're returning in through a different lens, as they should, right? They're taking a look at exactly what you just said. Do we need to have 100 people in you know, uh, can we condense that space down and, and maybe knock 30, 40, 50, 60% of our office space out, invest more in the digital technologies, save some money on salaries, save some money on overhead, uh, and really 
market. Don't lose that much. The these tools, like you said, are getting that good. So uh, we we just had a, a team meeting actually with uh, zoning attorneys and real estate attorneys and engineers and um, our surveyor and a big project, a residential project we're working on for Staten Island. And you know, offline the topic came up. You know how are we handling billable hours now, right? Like we accounted for travel and this and that. Yeah. How is that going to be treated, right? You know, so a lot of things are going to change. I think this is a great opportunity. That it, it's scary mm -hmm. because it's going to have a profound uh, impact on the market. Uh, there are some ways to mitigate this. And uh, I sit on the, the, the panel with uh, the mayor's advisory committee for the reopening. So I've been very vocal with some suggestions that I think will really help not only mitigate the impact of this change that we see coming, but will also result in uh, new jobs, new growth, new opportunities. So I'm hopeful that um, there's some support around those ideas. And when sure. I can, I'll be happy to, to share them with the audience because they are exciting. Um, but it's going to be a new world. Yeah, and you were you were talking on the on the employer side, you know, the, the employees got Got a total different view of things today as well, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we've all heard about, you know, the people running away from Manhattan and Brooklyn or whatever, and yep. running into other, into the suburbs, I guess. Um, and that's really happening. It, it is for so, sure. Um, now, whether it will reverse itself at some point, maybe, maybe. But I don't think it's ever going to, we're never coming back to what we used to call normal, right? No, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, um, we wrote, a blog or an article, I don't remember which one it was. Uh, I think I, I entitled it or there was a, a big piece in there about the decentralization of real estate in New York City. So, you know, a couple of years ago, we started to see the signs of these digital assets and with the crazy soaring costs and, and the lawsuits and all of the things that have become commonplace in the office, um, this was an opportunity for folks to do exactly what you were talking about. And you're seeing some of these other markets. Staten Island is one of them, you know, where we've gone from the forgotten borough to the chosen borough, you know, over the last couple of months, which has been nice, a nice change for, for, for us, you know, not just for, for business purposes, but I'm born and raised here. Mom's born and raised here. My kids are born and raised here. It, it's been a, a tough shadow to kind of, try and kick over the years. So now as these other markets emerge, um, Staten Island is really positioned as one of them. Uh, and if you're looking for a little more elbow room, that's, that is possibly, Staten Island has now become a real viable yeah, option. Absolutely. So, you know, uh, I was gonna get into this a little later, but this is a perfect segue. So maybe we jump in. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, let's talk about some of the monthly indicator reports and some of the factors that you're seeing and how are you seeing things and, and you know, let's give the audience a little insight into what's happening with Staten Island real estate. Yeah, well, you know, things, as you say, are, are perking up, certainly have perked up. Uh, we're, we're looking here at uh, July numbers. Uh, and of course, you got to put everything in, into perspective, right? Um, when, when you're down for three months, you know, it's hard, you know, not everything comes up at the right in the same rate, right? All right. You know, sales are going to sales closings sales closings are going to are going to be going to come later right because right. nothing was happening for a long time and and there wasn't anything going into the into the into the hopper for a long time as well but as we look at this things i mean we're, we're getting overrun with new listings right, right. 
as you know. Um, so our listings are, are, are doing very well for the month of July, year to year, we're up 43%, 44%. I mean, that's kind of crazy. Tremendous. Um, but for the year, you know, we're still down. We're down 21%, you know, but, but you know, what are we at? We're talking about seven months of the year, um, and we were down for three of them. All right, so being down 21% is not so bad. It, it really is not. And like you said, you've got to get things in the hopper. So the next couple of months should be super telling. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think, yeah, closings when we get out to, you know, October, November. Yeah. That's when we're going to see the numbers. Um, so I, I think we see that all the way, all the way through this thing. Uh, we're not down as much as, as we could have been. Uh, our prices haven't moved as much as they have in some other places. Um, so I think we're in afford- We're still the affordable borough. Yep, without a doubt. Okay, I did see some new numbers from SIEDC come out today. I don't know if you saw that. No, uh, I don't have it. I'm sorry. Um, that said, our income level was was uh, still pretty high. Yep, median median price anyway. I think I did see that. I re- yeah, uh, the median household income was. Uh, in, in one of the districts of Staten Island was the highest in the city of yeah, New York. Yeah, and I actually. think Staten Island overall was, was, was higher than the city. Um, average income maybe was not the highest. Um, but it was interesting. Yeah. I, 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 sorry, I don't have that with me. No, the, um, the, the, what you're talking about um, will be reflected now. So as I studied this report that Sandy was good enough to put together for us, there were some things that jumped out that I didn't like, but then as, as I thought through it and I wanted to talk through it with you, mm-hmm. um, it seemed to make sense. So days on market yep. until sale. Uh, so if you looked at July of uh, 2019, it was 98, day, 98 days now year to date or July of 2019, uh, it was actually, uh, I'm sorry, July of 2019 was 98. July of 2020 was 119. But I think that was just... That reflects the fact that we were down. That we were closed. Because we didn't stop counting. Right. So we didn't stop counting. That was the question. Yeah. There was a discussion all over the country about whether we should stop counting. Right. Okay. And the first reaction was, yes, of course, we're all down. Right. Right. So stop counting. And then somebody said, but you know what? What's the history going to look like? Right. (laughs) You're going to look back and say, what happened? What happened here? Okay. So, so this is real, okay? And, and, and let's remember, and you said it before, in, in many parts of the country, they weren't down. Right. Okay. They, they were slower, but they weren't down. And, and we, we were not down either. We were, we were operating, uh, we just had a much lower, much lower level. So that's reflected in that. So what, what, what I think is going to happen, um, and, and I, I think you'll agree with me here, mm-hmm. I think what we're going to see is this number of 119 uh, for the month of July versus the 98 days on market uh, until sale in 2019, I think that that's going to plummet. Yeah, that's going to that's going to. I think that itself. that's going to not only reverse itself to the 98. I think that we're going to see that number drop down. Dare I say it, into the 60s and 70s. It seems like we'll wait and see. But yeah, residential real estate is moving out here, folks. So we didn't stop counting, which is interesting. Okay, so median uh, sales price, 561 for year-to-date 2020 versus 549 last year. So in spite of the stop, that number is actually up. Uh, average sales price, same thing, 593.075 for, for 
720, and I'm, I'm sorry, 598, 205 for 19, 593, 075 for 720. So that's very close. Um, percent of original list price, again, it's right there, 93.9 versus 93.7. Yeah, that hasn't changed. So, um, but all of this, again, is skewed. So you, you got to figure three months, Sandy, 90 days is, is, is a fair reporting time, right, yep. for, yep. for it to turn over. So figure 90 to 120 mm -hmm. days from when we really started to come back online. We came back June 22nd, as I recall. June 22nd. We went so. into phase two and we started opening up. So June, July, you know, August. Yeah. End of October, beginning of November. End of, end of September, October, yeah. That's when we'll get a really good, healthy picture yeah. of what exactly is happening yeah. here. Yeah, the, the, real, the real issue is, for me anyway, because we know we're doing really well right now, is, is does it continue? Right. Okay. We don't know that yet. Um, this is obviously pent-up demand, all right? So, so we're seeing, you know, something, you know, again, it's, it's skewed, right? Because, because it's all being done now because it couldn't be done before. So, all right, so it's got to come back a little bit. Um, and we'll just see where that goes. But it, it's got to come back a little bit, obviously. I agree. The, the, regardless of external influences and people migrating to and from one place to another. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the pent-up demand we're not seeing in the other boroughs where the listings are occurring but the sales are not and prices are yeah well dramatically coming down we're seeing pent-up demand to get out to get out <laughs> that's right. right yeah and so that's going to continue for a while the question right. is how long does it continue how long does it continue across the bay and how long does it continue here yeah yeah because they're going in all directions um certainly and what we have um in honesdale up in uh pennsylvania two and a half hours away mm -hmm. we have a little uh, hobby farm uh, that uh, I escaped to with the family and I have some holdings up there and one of them is a, a warehouse so um, I got a call and rented it to a company from Queens a moving and storage company now this is two and a half hours away in Pennsylvania the the amount of activity and uh, they needed a place to lay over folks stuff while they were waiting for mm. the closing to occur up there. You know, this is a sleepy right. town. It's kind of crazy, yeah. It is kind of crazy. Yeah. But uh, again, being in Staten Island, uh, we've had the benefit of uh, being on the other side of this for once, Staten Island. Yeah, yeah. 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 And of course, you got the mortgage rates just where you need them right now, too, so that's helping. So let's talk about that for a minute. Where, where do rates go? For traditionally, the... The cycle and the rates, of course, run kind of counter-cyclical. They drop rates, people get back into the market, things start to heat up, they try and stay away from inflation, rates get increased, and prices start to level off, and then rates continue to increase, and then prices start to drop. That hasn't happened now. It hasn't happened. We haven't had uh, inflation in, in a long time Yeah, to speak of, and I don't think you're going to have it for a while. All right. They, with the economy and the condition that it's really in, yeah, um, I don't think the, uh, the Fed is going to be pushing rates up for a long time. Well, we we have the national debt now is, is at such a number that we've got to pay our bills too, mm -hmm. right? So uh, as the Fed makes those micro adjustments that turn into major macro changes, 
I don't see how how rates can go up at this point. Healthy economy or not, uh, the underlying debt is such where we need to, to pay the piper also. But you got that, and you got the fact that, you know, unemployment is not coming down at the, you know, as fast as, as anybody would like it. Yeah. Right? Because as you said, I mean, the in, you know, industry is changing. Yeah. Okay? And people are realizing that, you know, people we had before we may not need right now uh, and of course there's, there's all these small businesses that aren't coming back the restaurants that maybe may never open again yep and so there's lots of people are going to be out there uh, it's going to be a while before anybody's going to be able to be pushing rates up I, I wonder what what that looks like and how that plays out there was there's a perfect storm of um, the contraction because of just the decentralization of things as all these tools emerged pre-COVID. And then you have the, the civil um, issues in the city and, and other cities throughout the country. And then you have the contraction accelerated by COVID. Um, this may be a turning point that's much bigger than we've given credit to in the day-to-day -day busyness of our lives. Mm -hmm. You yeah, know, I think so. I think so. I think... I think now's the time when people are going to have to figure out, you know, where the where the next, uh, for lack of a better term, the next industrial revolution is going to be. Right. Right. Uh, you know, climate change has been out there waiting for a long time to be addressed. I think this is the time to address it. Yep. Because I think there's lots of there's lots of work out there, without uh, a doubt. If we just, you know, if we just recognize it. And, yep. You know, we can't. We we you know, unfortunately, there there are too many. Uh, people in the world who are trying to trying to live the live live the old lives all right um, yeah you know, and and we can't we got to live a new life you know when you came in um you were gracious enough to to compliment this on the studio and i had said to you it's about communication right we're, we're trying to build a platform where we can communicate others can come in and communicate we can get the message out um you know climate change is um, among other issues things that should be so simple, right? This is, uh, and, and maybe we, we should talk about this a little bit. There, everything is so polarized right now that when you bring up climate change, you fall into one of two buckets. And if you're in this bucket, there's some evidence that you can point to. And if you're in this bucket, there's some evidence you can point to. When do we get to, or how do we get to a place where the discussion goes from, it's happening, it's not happening, it's documented, it's not documented. It's part of a historical cycle. When do we get to a point where we could just say, it doesn't matter? What should matter is we should be better stewards. Yeah. And there is an opportunity now as employment bases shift and we start to look at things through a different lens that these are things we should be addressing. And I think we have to address them, but we have to get out of that that echo chamber of yelling and screaming and and entrenching ourselves in these positions beyond even what our core beliefs are many times because once you retreat to that place and you've retreated to your place it's yeah. over yeah. you know there's no more talking there's screaming there's talking past um but you know we are at a time and place where and, and i know new york city has done a bit of work in this uh this this area and i hope they continue to do work and and provide assistance and funding and opportunity uh, to address issues that relate to climate change. Turn the rhetoric down and turn 
the the heat up on doing things in a different way. I, I, I totally agree. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, it's not just New York City. You got to look at got to look at the federal government. Yep, it's got to get its act together, and and, and it hasn't. Uh, you look around the world. I mean, uh, other countries have done a done a really good job and are doing a good job. Yeah, um, but uh, but we're holding them back. Yeah. And, and we're, we're allowing it, right, folks? We, uh, you, you can always point fingers, um, you know, the Trump's America, Obama's America. Look, both sides have had ample opportunity yep. to do something very meaningful, and we just haven't gotten there yet. So maybe we can start thinking about forgetting about who did or who didn't do, and let's start talking about, hey, we should just want to do this, right? So how do we get together and start making it happen? Because uh, if, if nothing else, we should be hedging our bets, right? We should be, yeah. even if you don't believe in it, you ought to put somebody over there just in case it's right. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. And, and I didn't think, you know, I think about that often, but I didn't think of it in the, in the context of there's going to be contraction in these other market segments. Companies are skinnying up across the board in a real meaningful way. Um, perhaps this is the moment in time where... We have access to uh, the workforce, mm -hmm. and we have certainly access to the technology. And, I mean, we're printing money at an unbelievable rate, so we certainly have access to the capital. Um, I don't know, Sandy. Maybe we, we started something here. <laughs> maybe we can start. I, I think Franklin Roosevelt did it, right? He, he, yeah. he was in a, a similar situation, and he said, you know, let's put everybody to work yeah. to do things that we need to get done anyway. Yeah. And we're not doing it, so... Uh, we're doing the opposite where we've, we have people in it. It's become an issue for the restaurants. It's become an issue for many, many, many market segments where people are taking checks and they're not returning to work, um, which is dangerous. It's scary. It, it is dangerous. Uh, you know, the, the, the flip side of that, of course, is those checks are going out and being spent. And so that's, you know, of course, $18 billion a week into the economy, which was, was valuable, saved, saved some people. Absolutely. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, is there not a better way, sure. though, to tie it to, you know, hey, we're going to give you this check. If they're going to give us a check anyway, let's give everyone the check, but it's tied to you getting back to work, okay. right? Maybe there's there's just a different way to do things than than the way we've been doing them for, for years and decades at this point. Yeah, without a doubt. All right, so let's bring it back to, to little old Staten Island. So what are, um, so how, wh what's the size of the organization now? How, how big has, has the organization gotten to? We're about, uh, about 2,200, which is, which is a good number for us. When I came here, we were about 1,500. Uh, we've gone up and down. You know, we went up before the, the crash in 2008. What was like the, the all-time high, yeah, that roughly? Was, it, was, it was 2,300, 2,400. So we're up, we're up toward the peak yeah, now. Yeah. So 2,300 members. And if you really think about it, um, the population on Staten Island has been fairly constant. We've seen some growth, but compared to the other boroughs, it's, I mean, I think it's, it's 25 years. We haven't grown, a, uh, don't hold me on this, but Pete, maybe you could look that up quick. And the, the Staten Island's population, like in 2000, uh, I don't think we've grown uh, yeah, we have a, a significant yeah, number we, over the last 20 years. We, we were over 500 when I got here. We're still... And what's the official number now? Four seventy-five. So four forty-three in two thousand. 
All right, so 443, and now we're at 475. If you think about it, that's pretty much nothing. Yeah. That is almost no growth at all, right, for a, a borough. Uh, so that would be in line with with uh, with it w- would actually be significant growth for the membership versus uh, the population growth. So uh, here we are in a new world. Uh, what are some predictions? Uh, well, let's start with challenges. What are some of the challenges? What are the major challenges you're seeing industry related um, with your day to day activities and things that you're trying to manage? Well, of course, uh, COVID itself is, is, is the biggest one, and, and how, do you, how do you deal with it? But getting beyond that, um, I think it's, you know, looking forward and saying, you know, what are the right tools that I have to give my members yeah. going forward? Because uh, that's, that's why we exist, right, to, to give tools and, and, and create an environment. I mean, I, you know, I like to think of the, the – let's talk about the MLS, not the association. The MLS, to me – because of the way we operate, is, is a mini franchise almost. Yep. Okay, right? Every broker is a member of our Staten Island MLS. Okay. Yep. And, and because we all have to work together, right? We all, you know, some of, you know, we're, we're like a big team. Maybe that's a better term. Okay, we're a big team because some of us get listings and then the rest of us are charged with selling those listings, yep. right? <laughs> but, but we have to do it together. You know, it doesn't matter what hat we're wearing. So in a, in a sense we're we're one team, right? So so my job is to is to is to you know get the team ready and give them the tools uh, and the information and the data, yep. maintain the data, uh, so that they can all do their job. Okay, and and that's that's an issue from time to time. You know you got to get everybody playing by the same rules. Yep. I mean, you know our job is to do that, and uh, it always gets people angry. Um, um, but data is more and more important. Yeah. Okay. And so we have to be better and better with the data. Um, as you know, today, um, you're not necessarily helping people you know, identify a property. They're coming to you with right. the property because, you know, the data is already out there. Um, so we've got to provide different kinds of data than we used to provide. So that's really interesting. And one of the things I wanted to touch on is syndication. Mm-hmm. which is a hot button issue. Same thing, 50-50, pick a side, flip a coin. Um, we syndicate our MLS to the Zillows and the Trulies of the world. Correct? Incorrect? Actually, incorrect. <laughs> uh, at least in the Zillow case. Okay. And Trulia and Zillow are the same thing. Okay. Uh, we don't syndicate. Our, our members have voted not to syndicate. Uh, you as a broker individually take your listings and say, you know, say, Sandy, give me my listings. I want to do something with them. We give them to you mm-hmm. and you, you give them to Zillow. We help you get there, but, but I don't send every listing to Zillow. Interesting. Now, it's different with Realtor.com. As it Everybody feels comfortable because it's got the Realtor name on it. So every listing goes to Realtor.com. And is Realtor syndicating? Oh, they'll they'll syndicate. Well, it's realtor syndicated. I think they do syndicate some. Yeah. So some of the interesting stuff uh, as we've worked on the tech side of this has been syndication mm-hmm. and blockchain and trying to essentially hold the data back, um, not wanting to do the work, put in the hustle, get the listing, build the trust, deliver, put it in an MLS. And it gets picked up and you find 
your listing on a bunch of other websites. So some of the interesting things that I think Toll Brothers is doing this now with some of the bigger carriers is they're giving a key, an encryption key, right? And when information isn't represented correctly on these bigger sites in the vein of discussing data, mm -hmm. um, you know, we've gone through some miserable experiences trying to get some of the bigger syndication houses to get things correct and to keep the data current and to keep it sure. accurate. Sure. Um, and then you get calls from the homeowners or the property owners furious because it looks like you're not doing your job and you certainly are, um, but you can't get these things changed. And through these encryption keys, you flip a switch and it's off. Mm. You maintain all of the information you control it and they can only syndicate what you're allowing to present forward. So what are some of the tools? What are, what are some of the new ways to present data? I mean, what, what else outside of innovating on how the par property is presented? What else can well, you we know, be looking yeah, at? Well, you know, obviously we've talked a little bit about the, uh, the video stuff and, yep. and, and that kind of stuff. That's, that's probably the biggest key right now. And, and as that develops and gets better, uh, we'll be seeing more of that. Uh, we're getting ready to launch in the next couple of months, a, um, a flow charting uh, program within the MLS. Um, Can we get a sneak peek on this? Can you tell uh, us what's happening well, here? Well, it's pretty simple. I mean, it, it's a it's a it's a company that's you know it's part of the, the MLS system, and it's you basically walk around with your cell phone, walk around the property, and pretty simply, and it just draws it draws a, a flow chart for you. Now you send it, you send it off, you get it back twenty four hours later, um, and it's a beautiful flow chart. And, and, so. And this is similar to what Matterport's doing, Pete? I think Matterport does something like that. Yeah, because we, we call them black line drawings. So we're producing the black lines from the Matterport as it's scanning the whole house. It's basically producing a blueprint. Not a not like an architectural blueprint, but a a rough floor plan. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah, uh, you know, we, we think that's valuable. If sure. We, if we can get it for a large proportion of the listings. Got it. Right? It's fine for one or two. But if you if you got it for you know sixty percent of your listings, now you've got another you got a different asset there. Sure. Right. Now you got it uh, because and, and not all of our properties. Let's let's be real. Not all of our properties um, lend themselves to a to sure. a Manaport kind of sure presentation. Uh, but a simple flow chart. Everybody ought to know what the flow of the property is. Absolutely. Before they get on it. So that's something that's. Uh, Almost, almost ready to launch that in the next couple of months. Interestingly enough, and I'm sure you've heard this a, a million times, but you wouldn't think it. How many people um, can be looking at a seven, eight, nine hundred million, two million dollar home and say, "Oh, this won't work. My bedroom won't fit." Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's it's like, we're, folks, we're looking at spending a million, two million bucks. Uh, can we can we swap the bedroom out, the furniture? Um, but that would be very helpful. It's something that we try and encourage here through the Matterport to include those drawings. Um, but if people had access to that on a bigger scale, I think that would make a difference. Um, so where are we, do you think, in two years on Staten Island from a market perspective? Hmm. Boy. I'm not sure you're not a better predictor of that than I am being out in the field. Um, I don't know. Two years from now, I think we've settled back down. Yep. Uh, you know, I think the, the, the big the big rush is over. Okay. Um, and then it depends on on what's happened in in this in this new environment in terms of where people work. You know, uh, are people 
going back to the to the office, not going back to the office. Um, uh, that'll tell the tale, I think. Yeah. Um, and I think it's too early to tell. Yeah. Because you know, pendulums swing, right? They they go way way out sometimes, way too far, and then they have to come back to the middle. And it's it's hard um, in the moment to remember that and kind of stay focused, right? We get calls from clients all the time looking for this type of insight, and uh, we're trying to be measured in it, but uh, I think you're right. I think the the pendulum will swing back, but I do believe when it swings back, um, because of the new norms and the decentralization of everything, uh, Staten Island is really going to emerge as as a very viable alternative. So ideally situated, right? It's just far enough away from the city. Yep. <laughs> um, it's real close to New Jersey, right, to bring out what that, that brings. Um, it's just a perfect location. It's an island, uh, so it's, it's protected in a lot of ways. Yep. Um, and it's still suburban. Um, uh, we, we are different than other, or, uh, other markets like ours, in the, in, you know, when, when we deal with Realtor.com and Zillow and we tell them we want our residential properties to go into their residential listing, they don't, rec- they don't understand our properties. Uh, meaning? Meaning that we call residential one family and two family. The rest of the world says if it's a two family, it's a multifamily. Okay. It's an investment property. Well, here, okay. Here it's not an investment property. I live there. Right. I just happen to get a ex- few extra bucks. Right. Um, so I, I'm, I'm still not sure that realtor.com properly identifies our two families because it's just different than the rest of the world. Yeah. Interesting. So, so maybe that's just a city thing, right? Maybe it's true all over the city and all over cities. Um, but being where we are sort of not quite in the city, not quite out in the country, um, we have a kind of unique kind of environment. And we have a, a wonderful asset here that nobody is talking about yet, and that's our M land. We have a lot of land that's zone M, and you can do industrial, you can do alternative energy projects. Okay. Um, we have the workforce for all of you alternate energy companies out there, and for our elected officials, we have M land that's tied up in certain zoning districts that were overlaid to curb overdevelopment that was not intended to curb manufacturing, um, micro logistics centers, um, storage facilities. I don't mean self-storage. I mean hmm. storage facilities so that we don't have supply chain issues. Alternate energy. We've got a, a good workforce. We are a 20-minute ride from the city by boat. We've got, and obviously we're an island, we have a number of really dynamic um, bulkhead opportunities. Mm-hmm. We have the whole northern part of Staten Island has exposure to what they call open water. You don't have to go under any bridges to get to the Atlantic. Um, and we've got a whole boatload, hundreds if not thousands. In fact, I would say definitely thousands of M land that's stuck in fire district, Richmond, um, the South Richmond district, many of these different nuances that were all well-intended but uh, if we remove some of those layers, 
there's a real unique opportunity for Staten Island to emerge as a leader in the energy uh, and in these micro logistic um, markets. Yep. I agree. As long as we do it right. Yeah, of course. And we keep it clean. Keep it clean. That's the whole point, (laughs) right? Let's keep it clean. Um, You know, there's so many neat um, carbon neutral opportunities out there. And some of them are even carbon negative, which is difficult to wrap your head around when you're creating energy. Uh, But there are multiple markets uh, that are emerging. Uh, I took a trip to Minnesota a couple of months ago, just just when pre-COVID. And we looked at some of these technologies. It's wild. Mm. And it's there, and there's a lot of these small companies that are, you know, have put together the pieces, and they just are making these breakthroughs that are really dynamic and really cool. I would love to see Staten Island be a leader in that and, you know, to, to be known for something other than some of the things that we've had to shed over the years. That's true. It would be nice. Well, is there anything else we wanted to touch today? I think we're a wrap. I'm good. This was really great. I appreciate your time. I know yeah, you're man. very busy. And I appreciate your insights, your guidance, your leadership, of course, over the years. Uh, Folks, thank you for joining us today. Sandy Kruger, CEO of Cyborg. Uh, As always, you know how to find us on all the the social media places. Please keep the comments coming. Please keep the suggestions coming. And uh, everyone, of course, stay safe.